are now tuned into Poppy Chuo Radio. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. We are looking for a regular human black bill. Do you believe in the resurrection? Welcome to the Freeland Gazette, the unofficial Black Lightning podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, Black Lightning. Please welcome my co-hosts, Dimitri Wijasinger. What's good, Freeland? Professor X. Hello, everyone. And Rohan Mittal. Hello. All right, everyone. Let's jump into our recap of Season 2, Episode 14, which was titled The Book of Secrets, Chapter 4, Original Sin, and aired March 4th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Looking for answers, a worried Anissa sets out to find grace. And yes, that was it. I'm assuming they kept it a short and simple so that a certain surprise would not be ruined. So uh, let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 14. Black Lightning was viewed by 777,000 viewers with a point two in the demo, and uh, it ticked down to series lows. And uh, its fellow uh, superhero neighbor, Arrow, also had series lows uh, last night as well. So... Uh, I guess it's a trend. Uh, it, it did return from a break, and uh, sometimes breaks do uh, interfere with the ratings a bit, so uh, hopefully things tick up next week. So what was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? And I rarely go first, but I'm going to go first, because I loved this episode. This was a fantastic episode. I, I, I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. There were so many storylines in this episode, but they managed to do a really great job balancing everything and um i sort of warned people in another podcast that i would be gloating just a teeny tiny bit if the professor can gloat over on arrow it's still like three or two seasons later i'm gloating hard for this i knew lala was going to come back I knew he was alive. I was so excited to see him on my screen again because Lala is just a fantastic character. So I, I am just ecstatic with the fact that I was like, Lala is not dead. The professor is only here uh, from original recipe uh, cast from uh, cast of, uh, of co-hosts from season one. But uh, I said this during the season finale. I was like, Lala is not dead. And everyone was like, he exploded. Lala is dead. So, uh, yes, Lala is alive. Woohoo! Uh, uh, 
thought of you the moment he came on. Yes, because I, I was I, like, yo, it, Jeff is going to feel some type of way. Yes, because I, I believe I said it in our previous podcast. I, for some, Or maybe in another podcast. I know I've talked about Lala and Lady Eve. Um, and I knew that Lala would be alive. I have, I don't know, I feel like Lady Eve is somewhere out there. Um, especially for reasons, which I will get into when we break the episode down. But at least Lala is alive. And, and it made me very happy. And um, Dimitri, since uh, you were kind enough to uh, feel uh, my excitement uh, last night. Uh, tell me, what did you think of this episode? Your initial reaction? It was weird. I I love Lala too, but I think of him as such a menacing character, and I felt like in this episode we went away from that a lot. And uh, is it okay to mention the ending, or is that getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves? Uh, Briefly. Well, I'll allow it for like a second. Just try not to go deep into it because we are going to discuss it, of course, uh, later on. Right. Yeah. I I feel like, you know, he's he's always been a threatening presence to to the Pierces, um, so much so that he's a large part of why Jeff came out of retirement. Um, And now they're setting him off in, I'll just say, a different direction which kind of takes away from the the menacing aspect of his, although it was really interesting to hear more of his backstory. Okay, I like it. Professor, you're my only witness uh, for for the Lala prediction. Uh, What did you think of uh, this episode, your initial reaction? Uh, I loved this episode. Uh, I was blown away. I was uh, stunned to see Lala return, uh, you know, despite your prediction. Uh, It took me totally by surprise. I thought, uh, as Dimitri was saying, they gave us a lot more of his backstory, which I thought made him much more interesting and more nuanced. And also, uh, you know, the reveal of him at the end, finding out what his mission is going forward, I think makes him a much more interesting character. And as you mentioned, there's so many subplots going on in this. We had, you know, uh, Jen in her super suit. We had, uh, uh, you know, Lynn uh, uh, at the agency, uh, you know, uh, dealing with Odell. Um, there, there's so much going on. We had, you know, uh, the the search for Grace and what's going on, uh, you know, with uh, with Grace and her uh, uh, or whoever you know she's posing as a brother or whatever uh there was just this was just a chock full episode there's so much to talk about exactly and so so far everyone has their ticket on the hype train i feel uh rohan are you gonna ruin it all and and say this was a horrible episode what's your initial reaction are you on the hype train uh yes i am and Mm -hmm. while i wasn't here for you making the prediction about uh, Lala coming back. Uh, I am very glad that you are right on that because, like basically everyone else, I love Lala a lot. Uh, and the fact that he's back, I mean, when he came back, I got really excited. And the rest of the episode, personally, for me, it didn't disappoint. And even the other stuff without Lala is getting interesting. It's, it's building. Uh, so, yeah, great episode. All right, so before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Black Lightning, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. 
you will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So uh, we're going to start off uh, breaking down all of the La La stuff. Uh, William Catlett is back as Latavius, a.k.a. Tattoo Man. And uh, we got a lot of La La in this episode. I would say certainly the A plot was this um, almost like two-person play between Latavius and uh, Jefferson. Although we got, I mean, not only did we get Lala back, but we got Lawanda back. And, uh, well, I didn't really care for Will, but we got Will back as well. And uh, that was very fascinating, how they incorporated, uh, you know, Tattoo Man's, uh, the ghosts of uh, Tattoo Man's past in this episode and how Jefferson reacted to it. So uh, we also learned in this episode how Lala is alive. Like we knew, well, because of the info dump of the previously on, we were reminded by the fact that Tobias uh, basically um, resurrected Lala through this sort of like resurrection program that he knows about. And we actually got a, a visual representation on how it's done, even though to be able to explain it to you, um, I'm going to do the best that, that I possibly can. So all of his entrails were, I guess, collected by this, um, I'll call him quote unquote, a doctor. And they were poured into this sort of vat of um, glowy blue something or other. And uh, those entrails formed into a body, and that is how Lala was resurrected. We also saw that there are other vats of other people as well, I guess, ready to be resurrected, uh, too. Um, Lady Eve, are you in one of those? Um, 
crossing my fingers about that. And this man gave Lala a mission to go. Uh, uh, basically, it was it was kind of like in um, in a very sort of uh, um, I don't even know how to say it. Like in in, in, in almost like a a, a vague. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was it was almost like in riddles, like, you, you know, you need to look into the past and things are tied up and you need to figure things out so that you can have redemption and this whole type of thing. And the clue was you need to go either see Jefferson or an Earl. And, um, and so that was two months ago. And so in the present day... Lala goes to Jefferson at the school, and, and basically we learn a lot of about Lala and how he got into the 100 gang, and about this former friend, former neighbor Earl, and, and how Lala killed him, and that's how Lala proved himself to Tobias, and uh, that sort of like set him on um, the wrong path, basically, which led to his death at Tobias's hands. Uh, not once, but twice. And so at the end of this, uh, after sort of like shooting Jefferson and uh, and all this type of stuff, Lala realizes that his mission now is to kill Tobias. So, uh, Professor, what did you think of uh, this storyline with Lala, the return of Lala, not only the backstory of, of Lala's like childhood, but also the backstory of as to... Well, even though we didn't really get much information, but at least the visual representation on how Lala has been resurrected not once, but twice. Uh, I thought the, the, the resurrection scene was really interesting. Uh, I, when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, would this have worked better if they put this at the beginning and, and done the show in a more conventional chronological sense but i don't think it would have because we would have been deprived of the shock of just seeing lala there i think getting the reveal of how he came to be there at the end uh made sense now that said obviously this is you know comic book dc tv you know science slash magic so of course you can just dump a bunch of entrails into bactine and have a person pop out of it uh fully restored um <laughs> But uh, it, it, it is curious because, you know, they did have, you know, the, the idea of, you know, uh, Tobias said that he, you know, uh, paid the money for the resurrection. So is it like you're always going to be resurrected? Is it, uh, you know, did Tobias pay for some reason for him to be resurrected a second time? It does raise some questions that, you know, uh, we might uh, uh, find addressed in, in coming episodes. But I thought it was it was a good sort of justification for how he came to be there. But there's clearly that mystical element of you know uh of the the tattoos involved in that and earl's tattoo at the end towards the end of the episode uh seeking him out and uh and burning into him uh but as you said uh you know i really did like the way they used uh you know the uh, the spirits of the people he killed before uh you know not just your classical uh angel and, and devil on your shoulder as you know they, they sort of you know set the characters up but the way they interacted with each other <laughs> the fight that broke out between them was just hilarious. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really, really interesting. And it gave uh, Lala, you know, an interesting way to play that scene with Jefferson. Um, as you said, you know, if, if it wasn't for whenever we cut away the other characters, you know, their whole thing was just done within that one room. The two of them talking, it felt almost like a stage play, but it was carried, uh, you know, by the, the weight that both characters, both actors uh, brought to their characters. And uh, I was you know, uh, really intrigued by that. 
Uh, I was, you know, more intrigued, quite frankly, by you know finding out Lala's background and his relationship with Jefferson than I was the uh, the mysterious blue gunk at the end. Okay, I can I can uh, agree with some of that. Uh, although I, I was fascinated by the blue gunk, uh, just because I I hope that we get some sort of explanation. Although I feel like maybe they could keep this very vague, and I'd still be sort of down for the for the ride as well. And just to give a little pushback to um, Demetria and, and your initial reaction, I like that we're getting sort of like added layers to Latavius, uh, just because, I mean, he started off almost like as a, just like a full-fledged villain, and uh, that one episode where he was resurrected, and he had that weird, very intimate shower scene with um, with Lawanda, uh, and oh, he was weird. like really struggling with uh, why he came back and 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 the meaning of of, of life basically, and, and what he's doing now that 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 he had been resurrected. Um, I, I feel like it gave the character a lot of nuance, and um, and I don't know what they're gonna do with the character. As of right now, like, I don't know if they're trying to redeem the character. I don't know if they're trying to turn him from a villain into kind of an anti-hero or at least, you know, a villain who's trying to take out another villain. I mean, come on, if, if he kills Tobias, like, he's going to be a hero, in my opinion, just because I it mean, doesn't seem but, like but, Tobias but, will ever die. But, um, but we're so invested mm-hmm. in, uh, in the Pierce's taking down Tobias now, like... Multiple pierces now have huge skin in the game. Like, if if Lala were to take down, like, basically, I'm gonna I'm say I have strong feelings Lala will not take down Tobias. I, I have a feeling he's gonna need a third resurrection by the time he's done trying. That would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Lala teams up with the pierces either at some point if he ends up figuring things out, uh, which, you know, at the rate that he's uh, dying and being resurrected, I'm sure at some point he's going to learn a secret or two. But, uh, <laughs> Dimitri, so uh, g- give me your take on the Lala situation, and uh, what do you think uh, the the writers are going to be doing with the character now that uh, he's back, at least, you know, uh, for the next few episodes before the season ends? Word, yeah. Um, I... I agree with you. I definitely enjoyed hearing more of his backstory because um, there was always a hint that there might be something there in terms of how restrained he was around Jefferson Pierce. Um, And, like, it didn't fully add up, like, oh, he was a teacher at my school. I'm going to just be nice. Like, it seemed like, oh, you're you're really, you know, being very accommodating of this teacher of from your school like you know calling you out at times and stuff like that um and then this episode it sort of hints that you know maybe he was one of jefferson pierce's star pupils before before things really went south for him i definitely enjoyed that part what i didn't enjoy was i mean yeah obviously he was um wholeheartedly a villain when he was first introduced to the show but um I think between the like I I don't know if you call it insanity, he's like, you know, seeing ghosts and they're, you know, fighting and he can't, you know, always think straight. Um, and the fact that he's now, you know, got a vendetta for Tobias, it's like this really menacing presence on the show is now like it's weird, he's not necessarily sympathetic, but he's He's sort of a wild card, and the writers could use that really well, 
or it, it could be a waste of um a very sort of menacing character and a, and a, a villain I, I would say I was I was glad to see back because he he had such a strong presence same with lady eve like uh, they they both had like a very genuine menacing quality to them they you know they really you know struck fear in a in a great way which i think the cw uh villains don't don't or the arrowverse villains well freeland isn't really arrowverse but they don't always get right but i'd say like the black lightning villains have been spot on so um so yeah it just it it struck me as strange that they were sort of taking that away from the character a little bit okay interesting all right, so before we move on, uh, Rohan, do you have anything else to add, uh, you know, to the sort of uh, our, our little Lala fan club meeting? Um, I guess the only thing would be, uh, I'm glad he's back. I remember being kind of angry in season one when he was brought back for like one episode. I was like, really? That was like, really? He just killed him off again? But they brought him back and hopefully he stays live for a while all right i like it so okay as i mentioned this is a jam-packed episode and uh, i'm trying to figure out where should we should go next and um i guess let's move into something um happy and and that was jennifer throughout the majority of the episode uh, until she started getting getting annoyed with Lynn over um, sort of objections to her uh, potential superhero costume. But uh, we we got uh, some plot advancement with uh, Jennifer throughout the episode. We we got what we didn't get with Anissa in season one we actually got uh, a visual representation in in the series uh, about uh, jennifer and uh, her superhero costume so gamby's working on it tweaking it and whatnot and jennifer's really excited uh, although she has more of the the pop star look in mind she does end up getting convinced uh to um you know oh dear lord to, to get sort of like a much safer look for her. And uh, at some point, you know, she get, she sees sort of like the prototype. She gets really excited. She wants to wear it. And so she ends up going into that um, orb in which uh, we've seen her test her powers before. And uh, let's just say the suit is not ready. And it's there are sparks and smoke and, and that whole type of thing. But... Uh, but we did get a little bit of plot movement with uh, Jennifer and her costume in this episode. Dimitri, since you piped up first, uh, what did you think of Jennifer throughout the episode? And I know she was uh, the, she was in scenes with some of the other characters. If you want to sort of tangentially talk about that as well, you may. So right now it's just everything Jennifer in this episode. What did you think of her? Can we first take a moment to appreciate that all you gotta do is cop her some new threads and she forget right the fuck about Khalil straight quick. No, she did that reference Khalil several hilarious. times. She ain't said no more. She did reference Khalil a lot of times. I'm just saying, you know. She's just like, oh, is that my new suit? And I'm like, yo, oh well, she got over that quick. Hashtag rude. 
10 episodes chasing after this motherfucker. She sees one shiny top and she's like, I, um, I was, you know, Jen is, um, Jen is, uh, she has savage comebacks, but she has some terrible, terrible ideas. The moment she said, uh, off the, it was like a off the shoulder. She showed like a off the shoulder top and she was like, can it be something like this? And I was like, it was like a tube top. Fam, like, so you're trying to get shot in the shoulder? That's what you're telling us? Like, it was so cringe. I'd say, you know, with reference to another character, the, um, the sort of, like, Anissa's way of being like, what the hell is wrong with you? But then she's like, well, I know it's not, like, a pop star look, because if, if that was it, I would get, like, a tiny bikini. And, like... Anissa is like sort of simultaneously laughing and like shaking her head. And to me, that just perfectly captures the really genuine uh, nature of of their sisterhood, like which we've been missing for a while because Jen's been sort of chasing after Khalil. Um, And it, it was everything about it was genuine, even though like Jen's ideas were head into desk cringe, like, um, she, I think uh, uh, China McLean brought a real genuineness to to this whole attitude. Like the the whole excited about the suit and everything was uh, was really um, was really endearing in a, in a way, even though it was also face palm worthy. Um, so you know, it was a uh, it was it was cute. It was funny. Um, it was like you know. Somehow they managed to make such a stupid idea uh, not annoying, um, which 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 is weird because initially I was like, oh, this is this is gonna be cringe, but it it went really well, um, and I think it also uh, highlighted the family aspect of this show really well, in that you know Uncle Gamby's like restrained, but you know trying to you know sort of. Um, adhere to her needs which i think you know any of us who've gone like shopping with our parents or someone can relate to um lynn's really worried and this is trying to like connect with her but also talk sensitive to her jeff was you know um unfortunately absent from from his family for much of the episode but i think somehow it's weird because like if i say it out loud it's such a stupid concept but somehow it managed to be really endearing Alright. I've got to say, we always, and I know I've said this before at some point, I don't know if it was this season or maybe last season, but, like, we, on, on, over on the, um, the National City Tribune, our Supergirl podcast, we always talk about the fantastic relationship between, uh, Cara Danvers and Alex Danvers, and, and how that relationship between the sisters is basically magic, and uh, it just works so well. I've got to say the same about, uh, Anissa and Jennifer on uh, Black Lightning. I mean, they are just magic together i mean black girl magic like they just work so well together the chemistry is there like it, you know they feel like real life sisters and, and the way they interact it's just beautiful i love the strong bond 
that they have uh, together. They're just fantastic, and uh, we haven't seen a lot of that, particularly because Jennifer was on the run with Khalil for many episodes, but um, to see them in this episode, they had a beautiful moment together. In the previous episode, they had a really great moment together. I, I like seeing uh, the Pierce sisters together. They're just freaking fantastic. So, yes, uh, it, I 100% agree. Um, well, I, I said I said it, so I, I'm guessing I'm agreeing with myself. But um, any other thoughts on Jennifer before we move on? Uh, we had like one moment. I hope she doesn't get sort of uh, Oliver-esque in, in like, you know, sort of dark broodiness. But there was one moment where like... Uh, uh, Nissa is, you know, sort of upset about Grace, and Jen finds her, I think, crying in the hallway, and she's like, "At least you have hope. My hope died with Khalil." And like, obviously, that line is very sympathetic right now. I'm just hoping like the series doesn't take her down like a really dark, broody road, which, given the rest of the episode, seems unlikely. But Black Lightning writers, if you're listening, don't don't Oliver Queen. Don't don't have Oliver Queen. Okay, well, a little shade. One of the things that that I you know I've 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 not always been the biggest uh, Jennifer fan um, because she's a teenage girl and consequently annoying as hell. Um, but I think Chinese McLean portrayed her so well in this episode because I have nieces, and uh, you know, you know the the way she was reacting to designing her costume to. Uh, you know, when she saw Gamby's design and and the way she reacted to it, just the smile on her face when she was running in, um, she really played that so well. And, you know, uh, you know, any criticism I have of Jennifer is not in any way to be uh, aimed at uh, China Ann because I think she's playing that character so perfectly. She is a teenage girl, you know, and she is playing her as a teenage girl would handle this situation, the petulance, the uh, the difficulty, as well as, you know, uh, the strength and everything like that. And I did think it was interesting that, you know, they set her up with the uh, the joy of designing the costume and the possibility of, you know, going out and uh, and doing that and then having the, the doubts, uh, you know, when it seems like there are some problems with her powers that she can't quite keep it under control. Um, you know, it's not going to be an easy road for her. And even though they sort of set it up that it was going to be a fairly light, uh, you know, arc with, you know, designing the suit and, and everything like that, uh, you know, uh, bring it on and then, um, you know, that uh, towards the end when she's talking with Lynn and basically saying, yeah, you know, just just playing it safe. Uh, you know, it was just reiterating the idea that she is scared of her powers and uh, and and the possibility of a lack of control. And I'm sure that's something that, you know, will it be resolved by the end of the season? I don't know. Or will this be something that goes on? Uh, further, but I'm hoping I would like to see it resolved a little bit, at least by the end of the season. I would like to see her, you know, in costume out there helping uh, Black Lightning and Thunder, uh, you know, on the streets by the end of the season. Um, I would expect that to happen, but I'm not so sure after this episode. Um, and again, she is still very young. Um, uh, so I think they, they did a good job of, of restoring that, reminding us that, you know, she is basically just a child dealing with these situations that her dad has been dealing with for decades and that Anissa, you know, has been dealing with at least Anissa is, you know, probably, which is, you know, I would guess at least 10 years older. Or around there. Yeah. That, that does make sense. Uh, okay. That is the difference with the actresses, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe it's, it's or at least similar-ish 
on uh, the show. So Rohan, I usually give uh, Dimitri first crack at this, but he he got the the Jennifer stuff first. So uh, um, you're gonna get the first take on um, your your you're gonna get the 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 first shot at giving your reaction to this. Let's talk about Anissa and Grace. So after doing some research with Uncle Gamby, she finds out that uh, that uh, Grace has a foster brother that is a year younger than her. And she gets the address and she shows up and she's knocking on the door and um, the person that answers is, is an older gentleman, which I, I was like, Anissa can't you see that something's going on here and uh basically he's like you know you need to leave before trouble happens and all this kind of stuff and slams the door in her face and we see that this older gentleman is really grace who has shape-shifted into him and then later on after a little bit of a pep talk with um with jennifer she ends up returning as thunder with the same damn voice like wouldn't Grace have recognized the voice? I don't know. Maybe it's the whole superhero thing. But um, but she shows up. She's demanding. To, to, is Grace there? Is Grace there? She breaks in. And basically, Grace, as this older man, is like, you shouldn't have come here. Like, you know, you better be ready for what's going to happen next or something like that. And um, they get into a fight. It, it seems like halfway through the fight, uh, Anissa finally remembers to do the type of thing because she wasn't doing that in the beginning she was getting her ass handed to her by uh um uh older man uh grace and finally uh anissa gets the upper hand and knocks uh older man grace down with a sofa and we see grace transform into a creature now earlier we saw a uh what was that? That was like a, a horse, right? That had been eaten. And uh, so Grace has been feeding on this animal. And she has turned into an animal. And she escapes. And basically Anissa is left with a WTF look on her face. And, and that's how she was feeling towards the end of the episode. As she tried to explain what had happened to her parents. and, and Or to her family, I should say. So, uh, Rohan, what the hell is going on? What the hell is Grace? Is she a shapeshifter? Is she a Wendigo? Is she a Chimera? What the hell is going on? Explain to me um, what the hell is going on. Um, yeah, so there was a lot in this, I believe. I I think you said there was a horse. I Was it a deer or a horse? Because I thought it was a deer. It could have been a deer. It was some sort of okay. uh, four-legged, uh, foresty type of animal. Okay. Um... Whatever, not that, not that important. Might have but been a I do like that. Um, I love that Anissa is going after Grace, especially. I think she kind of got a little push from uh, from Jennifer, so she's going after Grace, which is a good thing, uh, as as she should. And obviously, uh, you mentioned the brother, and she finds out, but she meets the old man instead, and then we see that it's. Grace, I did like. Uh, then she comes back and sees the deer, and I did really like the the little fight scene they had. That was uh, really cool. And yeah, you did mention 
uh, she's doing the sharp uh, breathing a lot less, uh, not just this episode, but in this season. I love your impression, by the way. Oh, thank you. And, Was it Emmy-worthy? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you should just replace her. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> CW, call me, please. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we learned that she's a shapeshifter, which I believe is what she's kind of been uh, doing in... Or I believe that's how she is in the comics. Uh, I don't think I've actually read anything. That's just what I've heard. Uh, but I like it. It's like kind of the closer we get to learning about Grace, they're always introducing uh, new stuff. And it's getting a little bit more... I don't want to use the word... Uh, it's getting a little bit more mysterious, I would say. You know, um, just kind of constantly escalating. Uh, as for, I believe there's only two more episodes left. Hopefully it's all good soon and, you know, they can legit be together instead of, uh, this whole thing. Okay. Well, there we go. A word of hope from Rohan Mittal. Uh, any other thoughts? I feel like Dimitri wants to jump in with something because he's, uh, the biggest, uh, Thunder Grace fan. What the hell is Grace, Dimitri? Um, Grace is largely absent in in her usual form, which was oh very gosh. sad to me. Um, you didn't like I, old man Grace. I mean, I mean, we want to see Chantal. I mean, come on now. Um, I think I think it's um, it's very uh, it's very interesting. Um, sort of. The, the fact that she is a shapeshifter kind of gives her so much um, so much more opportunity to, I think, hide from Anissa if she wanted to. And, like, I really don't want her to because I really want Thunder Grace to be together. But I think the, my first thought when I noticed she was a shapeshifter is, like, one, this could be really useful against the bias. But, two, this is going to make it so much harder for her to open up to Anissa, which tugs at my heartstrings. Um, hi, I don't know, it's, um, it's weird, to me it's weird that, like, she, she claimed that she couldn't, like, control her powers around Anissa, but she managed to stay in, like, a slightly older man mode for, for the duration of the fight. Um, even though she seemed to be flickering a little bit when Anissa first showed up, I think right after she closes the door her eyes like sort of go go full tiger mode so um she's she's definitely a meta i i really hope that you know she doesn't hide behind her powers too long and and prevent um prevent you know her and anissa being together i what i thought was sort of a cruel twist of irony was like towards the end of the episode the pierces are sitting down and it's sort of their first, like, superhero family dinner um, with everyone's powers, you know, out in the open and, you know, really looking forward and being able to talk to each other very freely. Um, and at the same time, it's like, yo, Grace could be at that dinner. And this is said she wants her to meet her family. But but y'all are staying apart, and it's, it's, hurting my, it's hurting my emotional well-being right now. 
Well, there you go. Uh, any other thoughts, Professor, on uh, Thunder Grace before we move on? Uh, I thought it was a good fight scene. Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, as was mentioned, the idea that, you know, uh, Thunder is still comparatively new to this. So, you know, she didn't Thunder up uh, and use her powers necessarily. She was, you know, just trying to fight hand to hand. One thing, and I did not honestly think of this while I was watching the episode. I thought of it uh, while Dimitri was talking about it. We're assuming that Grace Choi is the natural form of this shapeshifter. How do we know that? This could be the brother. Maybe Grace died and the brother is impersonating her or something like that. Or Grace became the brother. Or uh, one sibling killed the other and something like that. We, we honestly don't know. That's the thing when you're dealing with the shapeshifter. We have this assumption that because we've seen Grace before that this, this is just the natural form. You don't know that. Well, that's interesting. And, and throws... Uh throws me for I, a loop i don't oh, think they would do oh, that right. for the reason uh, that in in today's political climate i think you know having you know uh you know uh you know one of the the few out lesbian characters uh you know on a tv show suddenly be revealed to be a guy i think would not fly but you know i can see how you know you could deal with that that you know if you are a shapeshifter you know what is your reality um, but, uh, it was, you know, an interesting fight. Now I was, you know, interested to find that, uh, you know, that is Grace's power and, and, and I'm hoping she sticks around. I'm hoping that under Grace becomes a reality. Uh, I want, uh, more, uh, Grace Choi on the show. And I think having a shapeshifter, uh, you know, could be really interesting. And, and it's interesting because, you know, uh, as Dimitri was saying, the idea that, uh, you know, having the family dinner and she wasn't there, it's because, you know, uh, you know, Grace doesn't feel she can open up about the fact that she's a meta to, you know, this woman that she loves. And meanwhile, and this is in the same situation, you know, it's, it's you know, you have to keep these things secret, even though they she happens to be with the one person who could understand what she's going through. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they don't realize this. I think you got a sense of that, you know, when Anissa was at the door the first time and, uh, you know, the uh, uh, when Grace transformed back into herself. And I think you got the sense that, you know, Grace understands that this is a demonstration of how much Anissa cares for her and loves her, that she's willing to, you know, keep hunting her down and, and looking for her, um, you know, and, and how difficult that must be that, you know, Grace feels she can't be with her. So uh, I think that's good. And, and I hope they, they sort of, you know, make that overt, that realization. No one has said this, and I was trying strongly to hint by saying older man that that's, I thought someone was going to say this, but no one has yet, so I will say it. Could Grace have been um, injected with or, or, or um, tested on to, to um, keep her young looking? Much like, you know, maybe like the Dr. Jace serum that uh, she gives uh, Tobias. Because if she was playing her brother, he's clearly older. And, and that line of, like, that he's a year younger uh, meant something. You know, if not, they wouldn't have said it. So could Grace be much older than um, we think she is, maybe? Sure, if I, she's a shapeshifter, she can look whatever age she wants. Oh, well, there I, is that as I well. I honestly thought she was trying to portray, like, you know... Uh, a very different like maybe a father or something um because she doesn't know that anissa knows she grew up in a home um so uh so i thought you know she was just going for you know very different from herself to uh to try and throw anissa off the scent 
Okay, it could be that as well. It could just be random. Oh, but that person. could be an interesting element too, which is that uh, the idea that you know Ennis has fallen for uh, for Grace. Uh, what if she finds that you know Grace has been you know changing her appearance, isn't the person that she thought she was, that is maybe twenty or thirty years older. Um, Grace is sixty-five. That, maybe not that old, but I mean, <laughs> I get Grace is endgame. Uh, when you're dealing with a shapeshifter, that's kind of interesting. I hope they don't do that because I, I don't want, you know, uh, them to replace uh, Chantal. I don't want Chantal in age makeup or anything like that. It it does create some interesting storytelling options, though, you know, uh, which is, you know, uh, when you're dealing with someone who's a shapeshifter, you know, what does that mean? That is true. I love what Dimitri said. Thunder Grace is endgame at any age. So, uh, well, that is true, you know, uh, I mean, facts Anissa... Facts all, facts all facts. Anissa might not be an ageist, so uh, so that could be true, uh, to be quite honest. Um, but uh, it will lead to interesting storytelling, so uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, huge info dump that we will get eventually uh, about Grace and her powers and who she is, how she became that way, and all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, Okay, before we get into Lynn, there is a smaller storyline that happens in this episode, and, and I don't know if anybody has anything to, um, or, a, or a response to the storyline, but we did get a little bit more of my favorite new uh, buddy cop series between Henderson and Gamby. And it seems as if some of the threads are starting to connect. So at the start of the episode, we have Henderson sort of following the trail of Todd. And he learns that Todd was involved with Tobias's operation and that kind of thing. So they're searching for Todd. But all he ends up with are Todd's uh, glasses because uh, that survived the kaboom. And so he figures out that Todd uh, was obviously killed by Tobias and that kind of thing. And Gamby tells uh, Henderson that uh, he's going to somehow sort of like track that glowing uh, goo that was left behind uh, from what we know are the pods. And he's somehow going to be able to track down where they were taken to, which obviously leads to Tobias as well so it was a tiny storyline this is probably sort of like set up for what's to come but um any thoughts i'll open it up to the floor does anybody have any thoughts on henderson and gamby i i just love how and not not necessarily with the todd scenario that's a little sad but um just in general how sort of understandably frustrated Henderson looks like with each passing episode and all the new information he has to deal with he's just like like I think at one point Gamby's like oh yeah I could you know and like do some really complicated thing and Henderson's like well that's more than my people can do so you know, just uh, he's just sort of so resigned to the fact that he's like team Black Lightning now it's just it makes me chuckle well there you go so uh Let's move into Lynn, the final major storyline in this episode. And uh, we did not get sad Lynn in this episode, but we got maybe a, a new version of Lynn, you know, like 
pissed off, a pissed the fuck off Lynn, which was fantastic. So uh, we start off with her at the lab. Um, she's been calling Jefferson, but obviously uh, Jefferson's going through some stuff, as we discussed already. And uh, she's testing Wendy Wendy, testing her powers, you know, figuring out in a very kind uh, and, uh, and, and in a very nice kind of way, you know. Uh, how Wendy, uh, the, like the extremes of her powers, and and how Wendy can control it, and what she can do with her powers. Agent Odell comes in and is basically like, you know, you need to stop treating her like a patient. You need to push her and all this kind of stuff. He he uses um, an example of uh, pets and uh, people naming their pets, and some people treating pets like family, and and how she needs to treat. Uh, Wendy basically as a weapon, a, a Wendy weapon. And uh, uh, Lynn is not down for that. So she's like, you know, I am going to treat her like a human being because that is what she is. And so on another day when um, she goes to test out Wendy Wendy, she finds out that she has been locked out. Someone else is in charge. Uh, they're not giving her any information. So she goes into another room and she sees that Agent Odell is there basically pushing Wendy Wendy to her limits. And, and uh, Lynn is screaming. You know, she might have an aneurysm. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what her powers can do. She can destroy us all and all this kind of stuff. But uh, Odell keeps pushing Wendy Wendy and Lynn gets dragged out by guards and that kind of thing. So when she returns home, she vents to her family about it over pizza. And I've got to say, the Pierce's having a pizza party is like my new favorite thing. I, I love seeing the family together eating pizza with the hot sauce. It just uh, brings me joy. And while they're bonding over the pizza and the hot sauce and their powers and all that kind of stuff, a whole lot of peas uh, in that sentence, we see that... Burm, 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 Agent Odell has them under observation, and he's got a team of three ASA agents that uh, have some sort of satellite hookup that nobody else knows about, that nobody has access to, and nobody knows what the satellite is. Only those people in that room know the truth about the Pierces, that they are powered people, more P words. And uh, after Agent Odell confirms it all, he pulls an Amanda Waller from the frickin' Suicide Squad and uh, kills them all. And, and so now only he knows the truth about the Pierces and their powers. And what he's going to do with that, no one knows, at least not yet. So, uh, Professor, what did you think of Lynn's storyline? Uh, were you shocked that Agent Odell knows the truth? And, uh, yeah, just give me your full um, reaction to everything that happened to Lynn in this episode. Well, before I get to that, I just want to address the elephant in the room, which is a pizza night at the Pierce household. Three large pizzas for only four people. That's insanity. How much leftover pizza do you need? I like leftover pizza as much as the next person. Maybe more, but even so, that's just crazy. I um, love that that's I the think thing they that you noticed. It. I think they killed it in one night. I, well, I Uncle can't Gamby, see them eating that much pizza. Come Uncle on. Gamby might come over. 
Well, maybe. Or maybe it's that, you know, one is vegetarian and someone likes anchovies or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I just feel it's a question that should have been answered. You I will think, not disrespect uh, yeah. the Pierces like that. They do not like anchovies. <laughs> You're right. Even as I said it, I thought to myself, no, I'm, I, this is a step too far. Um, uh, as far as Lynn goes, I, I'm really glad. And if, uh, as the originator of the sad Lynn uh, meme, I'm glad that, you know, they've stopped doing that. You know, Lynn has become a much stronger character. Uh, you know, uh, I was not surprised by what happened with Odell. Um, I've always liked Odell. I, I really like the actor who's playing him. I think he's an interesting, nuanced character. And I've always said that I, I, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, which side he was going to come down on. Was he, a, you know, uh, a good guy or a bad guy in simple terms? I think by the end of this episode, we have our answer to that question. Um, although one could make the argument that maybe Odell killed those people to protect the Pierce's secret. You know, he's the only one who knows that. And presumably he hasn't shared that with his superiors. So, uh, you know, um, I, I just, I like him. He's so interesting the way he, he deadpan plays everything. Um, uh, I, I, I was not at all surprised, uh, to find that Lynn was locked out, uh, and her dealing with that. And then, uh, you know, the family scene at the end of it with Lynn basically, you know, uh, venting to Jennifer who, uh, you know, doesn't share what she's gone through. And then Anissa coming back. I, I really love that whole scene. The idea of this, you know, basically superpowered family and even just that casual line that Jennifer tossed off about, you know, Lynn not really understanding or Lynn not being like them. Um, you know, how that would be a natural thing to do. And and Jennifer would be the one to say that, not realizing how it might hurt Lynn uh, to be left out. Um, but just them gathering together and then, you know, doing the selfie at the end of it. Uh, what struck me most about it was that, you know, they're getting together and, you know, and, and Lynn, of course, is coming in. And I was just waiting. OK, how long is it going to be before she gets out of the wine bottle? Oh, there it is. OK. Uh, but then they had, you know, Jefferson coming back and grabbing, you know, the bourbon uh, because of the day he's had. But what I really loved about that scene was that, you know. Uh, <laughs> Jeff has gone through all that with Lala earlier in the episode. He's been shot, for God's sake. Uh, and he keeps his jacket on and never tells them what actually happened. He doesn't take his because there were there were moments in that conversation where he could have just taken his jacket off and they all would have gone, oh, my God, you've been shot. Da, da, da. But he chose not to make it about him. He he chose just to be, you know, the father, you know, enjoying time with his family and not drawing attention to what he'd been through. And I thought that was like an incredibly strong and, and very subtly done thing. Because I'm guessing, I, I don't know about uh, Dimitri, but most of us, if we were shot during the course of the day, we would mention that to our family over dinner at <laughs> night, no matter how many pizzas we had. Uh, for him not to do What's that. The, I think, why am I the exception? I, I'm just assuming that you're the sort of person who would keep that hidden. You're always you are, the You're exception. better than us. Yeah. I'm also assuming you've been shot more than I have because, you know, you live in New York. Oh. Um, but... Yeah, I know. Yes. Uh, Canadian shade. It's the best. I, I just, I really, really love that scene. It, it was that, you know, if you go back to the first season of Black Lightning, you know, the, the family was so important. And the way that, you know, I, I still remember from the first season, that uh, scene of, of Jefferson running down the street with his daughters, you know, and, uh, you know, just that that family unit. And it feels like after all they've gone through with Khalil and Jennifer running away and, uh, and Jennifer's developing powers, uh, it feels like it, it was so nice and warm and touching to see them, you know, join together as a family. Um, you know, over dinner. I thought that was delightful. And then, of course, to have that sort of kind of ripped away by the fact that Odell is creepily watching you as you're doing it uh, just reminded me, oh, yeah, this is a DC TV show. 
bingo. But to sort of add to the point that you were making about Jefferson sort of like not necessarily wanting to ruin the moment, I feel like the rest of the powered pierces also did the same thing because uh, uh, Anissa didn't really go into exactly what happened or ne- neither did uh, Jennifer. And, and everyone was like, oh, I had a day. Like, oh, I had a day too. Like, oh, I even had a day. Like, no one... Good point. The only one who really vented the most was Lynn. Yeah, it was Lynn, which which was interesting sort of like to add on top of that, like what Jennifer said, like, oh, you'll never understand and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I felt like everyone was kind of like holding back just so that they wouldn't ruin like this uh, lovely three large pizza dinner that uh, they were about to have. What? And, and um, right before you go, Dimitri, the other thing that I I want to add is um what was interesting you know based off of like the vagueness that they were discussing about the satellite and that kind of thing i thought it was kind of neat that the asa had that technology where you know they have i guess cameras that they have placed inside of the pierce's home but on top of that 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 camera could sort of access technology because we saw sort of like visually represented on the screen that once jennifer pulled her cell phone out to snap the the picture that uh, they could pull up that feed of the cell phone which i thought was very interesting very creepy um you know it it was uh all of that like on on top of one another i I thought that was uh very fascinating dimitri go ahead well first off just to clarify for our viewers i don't go around getting shot and if i ever did get shot i would scream like a little girl and not little girl like Anissa and Jennifer, who are both much tougher than me. But, like, if anyone remembers the TV show Arthur, like, DW levels of screaming. Oh, but well, there you that go. Aside, well, they're listeners, um, though, unless you have some sort of Twitch stream I didn't watch. Up. I didn't watch a lot of Arthur, but was DW shot on a regular basis? She was no, on a weekly basis. She did, oh, she did okay. scream when she, she got punched. She, 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 like she got punched, which, oh my God, that was the shocker. She was shot at least once a week. She's like the 50 cent of, you know, animated children's characters. I really hope there isn't some parent listening to our podcast like, wait, what do I let my children watch? I know, right? (laughs) What are they letting them listen to? (laughs) Anyway, um, what what I was saying was one thing that's important to note is we said that uh, Lynn was the only one who sort of vented fully. Um, And one, uh, one difference is that when Lynn is sort of venting, they're not actually at dinner yet, and she's only talking to Jennifer um, while the rest sort of bring their problems to the dinner table. Um, like, Lynn is sort of bringing the pizza in with Jennifer when she's sort of telling her everything that happened. And another thing that I wanted to consider um, from from our point of view, like, it sounded like... Uh, like Anissa was like ready to be honest. It sounded like I I was torn whether the uh, them telling what happened like was sort of um, cut to just get to the nice family moment quicker, or if it's very significant um, what exactly they told each other because. Anissa strongly hinted at what was going on and didn't seem like she was trying to conceal anything. Um, Jefferson looked like he was about to say, and then he was like, you know what, it doesn't matter. But he he didn't look like, you know, 
he he was going to keep a, a huge secret. And I assume when he, you know, gets into bed with Lynn that the fact that he's been shot will will show itself. So it's uh, and I assume Gamby will eventually tell the Pierces what happened with Jen's suit. So, like, I was torn, like, is this, you know, just a storytelling device or is it significant that they explicitly did not tell each other? It's funny that you mentioned that because I hadn't realized it until you were talking about it that each of them was on their own mission over the course of the hour and they barely interacted with each other. You know, Jennifer was on her mission with Gamby. Uh, Anissa was on her mission to find Grace. Uh, Jeff was on his mission with Lala and uh, and Lynn was on her mission with Odell. And and they barely, aside from, you know, phone calls, uh, you know, and that one scene between... Uh, uh, Jennifer and Anissa, they they really were all off on their own thing. But I think that's what made the coming together for the family meal at the end of it so satisfying. The fact that they were all off doing their own thing, but they came together at the end of the day for that meal with, let's face it, too much pizza. Um, uh, I think it was just really interesting. And, and I hadn't thought about <laughs> it until, uh, until you were just talking about it. the fact that they were, you know, so atomized off in their own spheres. But coming together as a family at the end of the day is, is I think, maybe what made it so touching for me. I like it. Rohan, do you have anything else to add before we move on into the MVP? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I will say, though, that I loved the age-appropriate line that they gave uh, China Ann McLean, where uh, she's like, uh, they're, they're all toasting, and she's like, why am I the only one with nothing in my cup? Because everyone else has, like, liquor in their cup. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That was a good line. Love. Yes. So, uh, all right. So now it is time for the MVP, and I feel like there are uh, several great choices uh, to, to choose from. So uh, which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one, a.k.a. no repeats. And... Um, Let's see. Uh, let's start off. Uh, let's start off with you, Rohan. So my MVP is Lala. Um, I mean, I mentioned this before, but it's it's good to have him back. I thought he brought a lot to the show. He was always entertaining to watch, and now they're now it feels like they're actually getting a little bit deeper into his character as well. Which I mean, I think they actually did a good job with that in season one as well, but they're going even further, so uh, Lala is easily in my MVP of the episode. I like it. I feel like Lala was on everyone's list. Uh, at least I would hope, because that was a fantastic choice. So, uh, Dimitri, your MVP, and why? As much as she frustrates me, really gotta give it to Jen this episode. Because of uh, China and McLean's portrayal, I think it was it was so endearing. Even her second-guessing herself after the suit malfunctions. Um, really, really genuine presence. As the professor said, her chemistry with Nafisa Williams. Uh, I haven't seen anything like it in a in a you know sort of family show. Um, yeah, it. I I think her emotional energy really brought us into this episode, um, and. Uh, as much as she frustrates me with following guys who uh, are leading her into danger or wanting a suit that won't protect her from gunfire adequately, uh, just she somehow portrays it such authentic. 
portrays her character with such authenticity that uh, you're you're invested in her storyline regardless. So yeah, Jen for me. I like it. To be quite honest, because this was was such a strong episode, I don't feel like there are any wrong choices for MVP. I feel like uh, everyone's MVP is going to be really, really good because uh, everyone was just really, really good in this episode. Uh, Professor, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? Well, ordinarily, you know, choosing third, I'd find myself going, oh, my first two picks are gone. And indeed, my first two picks are gone. But this episode was so strong that there's no shortage of people to choose. So I'm going to choose Jefferson. Uh, You know, the way he played that scene uh, with Lala was phenomenal. You know, he had the power. He could have struck out. But of course, you know, there were the cameras watching him. And, you know, he played it. He, you know, uh, you know, he used his power surreptitiously to remove the bullet and and cauterize the wound. And then at the end uh, of the episode, as I said, that that scene where he chose not to mention oh by the way i got shot today you know just keep it down because you know it would have spoiled the moment that that uh that family dinner they were having that that moment with the family uh you know uh i thought that was uh beautifully done and uh yeah just just very impressive throughout and again not a lot of pyrotechnics not a lot of black lightning action this was a, a jefferson pierce episode i like it and uh, usually i would go to my default lynn she was fantastic in this episode, but I'm going to pick a character that I don't think anyone has picked as an MVP so far this season. I, I could be totally wrong. We have had a couple breaks, so um, so I, I might have forgotten this, but I'm going to give it to Agent Odell. I am loving what uh, they're doing with this character. Bill Duke has been fantastic overall as Agent Odell. And uh, he was just such a badass, like a stone-cold killer type of badass in this episode. Just like the steely look he was giving Lynn. Um, just uh, his conversation, his one-on-one conversation with Lynn. I loved his line of like, I don't even remember what it was exactly, but it was like, uh, oh, like, you've got a sharp wit or something like that. I mean, oh my gosh, like Bill Duke has been fantastic as Agent Odell, and uh, just the sheer badassery of that final scene with him killing the ASA agents and and doing it without, like, flinching at all. I I just am totally digging the character of Agent Odell, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does next, because I know it's going to be shifty and shady in in the most uh, wonderful way possible. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 electrical bolts? The point system is loud, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted electrical force field. And uh, Dimitri, let's start off with you. I am going to go with a 9. Um, I, I felt robbed... Um of of a thunder grace resolution um but uh but there was some interesting development there i would say of the storylines that we saw this episode that was the least satisfying it left with more questions than answers but but like uh not not in a very it was i guess it was the most sort of actiony um and everything else had such genuine emotion that it, it seems a little colder in comparison. I'm sure we're going to get an emotional resolution probably in the next couple of episodes. But right now, I felt like just probably just mad I didn't get my Thunder Grace fix. 
um, again with Lala, you know, um, I I feel like he's sort of a wild card. He's definitely a very interesting character. I was a little unsure of like where this was going for for some points in the episode. So uh, so for those two reasons, it's not a ten for me. But otherwise, you know, amazing job all around. Um, I think given how fractured everything has been with Jen running off. Um, Anissa doing her own thing in terms of how she handles certain situations, bringing them uh, back together as a family in a really uh, touching way, as the professor said, um, was definitely the right choice. It was perfectly timed, and um, I think we've had just enough distance from that that it felt uh, hugely satisfying. It felt like a huge payoff, so great jobs all around. All right, we're starting off strong with a solid nine, although I would say that that's the wrong answer. That's just my opinion, no judgment, maybe a little. Uh, Rohan, will you say the right answer? Probably not. How would you rate this episode? Um, I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, I think it's a fantastic episode. I think for you the made the right, right decision. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic episode. Um, it is a little bit slow, and I do think it is a setup episode uh, for the next two episodes, which I believe are the last of the season. Uh, with that being said, even though it is kind of a setup episode, uh, it does that job very, very well. And the whole point is to get you excited for the last two episodes of the season, and I am very excited about that. Alright, so we've got two nines, very good ratings, not one that I would agree with. Uh, Professor, will you let me down? Hopefully not. How would you rate this episode? Well, Dimitri and Rohan, let me take you to school and tell you what the correct answer was. It was a force field. This was a tremendous episode. Uh, you know, we got the payoff for all the time we spent developing these characters, allowing them to go off and do their thing. Um, the return of Lala, a total stunner for all those who, who didn't see it coming. Um, you know, the Odell twist at the end, realizing, realizing just how far he's going. Um, uh, I, I, and, and again, yes, and I wasn't as bothered as Dimitri by the, the lack of a resolution to Thunder Grace, because, you know, the fact that Grace is still there, you know, that, that scene of her, you know, that, uh, that look on her face on the other side of the door shows that she does still have feelings. Uh, for Anissa and Thunder Grace is far from over. You know, uh, Grace is running away because she's frightened because she's, you know, dealing with her own stuff. But Thunder Grace is far from over and Anissa showed how far she's willing to go uh, to find Grace and help her. And and now Grace knows that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Thunder Grace is far from over. And uh, no, I just, I love this. And honestly, just that, that, that beautiful ending scene of them with too much pizza. Um, uh, you know, really was was the heart of the episode for me. Uh, so overall, yeah, I'm going to give this a, a force field. I love it. The professor never lets me down. Twin Flames, because I, uh, I he he took the hint and and uh, yes, it's an electrical force field. It was a fantastic episode. I, I feel like I've gushed uh, about this episode enough, so I won't go through everything that I loved about the episode because I I, I loved it all. But I will say something that I didn't uh, say earlier, and and the, the professor kind of touched on this. I loved the character of Lawanda and how they used her, as well as Will. I haven't been the biggest fan of Will. I didn't. I did not really care about the character uh, in season one because I just felt like he was bad news from the beginning. But uh, I liked their interplay, and um, it, they were just used brilliantly. And uh, I, I loved 
the camera angles and, and how the camera would just pan around and, and all of a sudden they're there and sometimes they weren't. It was just beautifully done, sort of like allowing us to see into the mind of uh, Lala and, and of course just Lala. I, I mean, I'm so glad he's back and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, they do with him in the next couple of episodes. So uh, two nines, two electrical force fields, the two of us were right and two of them two of us were slightly right-ish, kind of adjacent. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Freeland Gazette. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Freeland Gazette. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Freeland Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, Freeland, and shout out to Chantal Twi, who was manning the Black Lightning Instagram during this episode. Uh, was great to interact with you, although we wish we had seen more of you this episode. Subtle shade. But good night, Freeland. Well, there you go. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Freeland Gazette every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night. Good night.